You are now listening to Accidental Intrigue, tales of travel and mystery, written by Kent Babin and narrated by Remington Cooney. Episode Four. A German in Tajikistan, Part Two, Summer, two thousand and twelve. Hans walked west along the north bank of the Sudaria, the river running through the center of Kajand. A sliver of moon fought for visibility with the cloud in front of it. Midnight was but a few minutes away. Follow the Sudaria long enough, and you eventually reach the Kazakh part of the Aral Sea. His brief research on Central Asian water politics had unearthed the significance of the river, along with its sister, the Amudarya. Both flowed through Tajikistan before being sucked dry in Uzbekistan. When he had landed in Kujand earlier that morning, an old people mover pulled by a tractor had driven out to the plain to ferry them to the small terminal. A taxi then deposited him in front of the tallest building and best-known accommodation in town, the venerable Leninabad Hotel on the South River Bank. With rooms available for a couple of euros a night, it had received about as much love since the Soviet era as a rat in a granary. Ensconced in his room, he had called the number as instructed. A male voice told him the meeting would take place at the Lenin statue in Victory Park at midnight, then quickly ended the call. He had considered calling Emir to find out what was going on, but thought better of it. Emir trusted Hans to be his liaison, not to call him with stupid questions. The fact of the matter, not that he wanted to admit it, was that he owed Amir. He'd be in prison otherwise, and there'd be no Feruza either. This was no time for backing out. Hans entered the deserted park through a clump of trees. About a hundred meters to the left, Hans caught a glimpse of another statue. Dim light basked its surroundings in an eerie glow. He followed the trail towards it. As he got closer, he was able to count five men waiting for him. This seems strange. Why are there so many men waiting for me? When he was within fifty meters, his phone trilled. He took it out of his pocket and looked at the display. Scheiser, at this time? He pressed talk. Yeah, hello, mother. This is really not a good time. It will only take a minute. I need some help with my computer. It keeps freezing. I am not joking, mother. I will call you later. Hans. What has gotten into you? Hans contemplated throwing his phone as far as he could. Let her try and get in touch with him. Then, I am going to hang up now. Yeah. He heard a loud humph. I expect an explanation next time we speak, Hans. Yeah, yeah, fine, mother. Bye. His conversation had caught the attention of the men waiting for him. They watched carefully as he covered the final fifty meters. Who are you? Said the man in a tunic and parade visor hat. I am Hans Bergman. Who are you? My name is Colonel Ivanov, Uzbek State Security Service. Hans felt his heart thud. The sweat pouring out of his palms was making the Manila envelope soggy, and the men behind Colonel Ivanov didn't look like they were there for fun. 
He was beginning to think this meeting had nothing to do with the dam project. I was expecting Amir. Where is he? He is sorry for not being able to make it. He sent me instead. Ivanov considered this. I don't like surprises, Mr. Bergman. If Hans had ever been certain of anything, it was that this Colonel Ivanov didn't like surprises. Who were you talking to on the phone, please? Hans looked sheepish. That was my mother. Ivanov said something to his men. They laughed. Tell me, Mr. Bergman, what is the point of this meeting if Amir is not here? Oh, yeah, he told me to give you this. Hans thrust the envelope towards Ivanov, who in turn looked at it quizzically. What is this? The documents. Do I look like a stupid man, Mr. Bergman? Ah, yeah, no, I mean, no, of course not. Good, because you come here with documents that I'm not expecting, like you're trying to fool me. I just did what Emir told me to do. He said it was important for the dam project. Ivanov laughed. Show me the documents. Hans opened the envelope to find three blank sheets of paper. A droplet of sweat from his forehead hit its mark. He looked up at Ivanov. They're blank. It seems, Mr. Bergman, that Amir has sacrificed you for his own gain. Ivanov spat in disgust. The question is whether your Amir has made a real or a sham sacrifice. Hans had no idea what Ivanov was talking about. If you don't mind, I I will go back to my hotel now. It seems there's been a misunderstanding. The men behind Ivanov instinctively reached for their weapons. Ivanov held up a hand to keep them at bay. I think, Mr. Bergman, that you will find it in your best interests to cooperate with me. Cooperate how? I I do not understand who you are and what you want. Ivanov signaled to his men. Please accept my apologies, Mr. Bergman. But why? The next thing Hans knew, a bag was thrown over his head and his world was cast into darkness. Hans stared through a dirty window at a huge Karakam reservoir that made up a section of the Surdaria River. He was surprised at how calm he'd been during the hour-long drive to the old house he was now sitting in. Ivanov had been exceptionally polite, repeatedly apologizing for any discomfort Hans was feeling. When they arrived, Ivanov's men had produced tea and a tray of sweets. Your Emir is no friend of the Uzbek people. Have you heard of Karakapakstan, Mr. Bergman? Hans shook his head. It is an autonomous region in Uzbekistan. Your emir is funding its independence movement. But why would he do such a thing? Ivanov shrugged. One never knows with your emir. He recently paid some people to steal information from the Uzbek government. We think he was able to pass it to the leader of the Karakapakstani independence movement. But this is not good? Ivanov put a sugar cube between his teeth and took a sip of tea. Of course not. But you see, Mr. Bergman, that he is also sabotaging the Tajik government. Hans waited for Ivanov to continue. The damn project you'll work on, it is in financial trouble, yes? Hans had no idea. He didn't tell you. Hans shook his head. If I may say, you're quite naive, Mr. Bergman. How do you think he gets money for Karakapakstani independence? I, I don't know. 
He steals it from your project, and he will eventually blame you when the dam fails. Me? But this is very bad. I had nothing to do with it. I'm just a simple engineer from Stuttgart. Yes, of course, Mr. Bergman. It is not your fault that Amir is duplicitous bastard. May I ask a question? Ivanov nodded. As I understand it, Uzbekistan does not want the dam. Isn't it good for you if the dam fails? I see your logic, Mr. Bergman. But as with everything in Central Asia, it is never that simple. You see, I believe your emir is planning a coup d'etat in Tajikistan. This would be worse for Uzbekistan than your dam. It would surely mean independence for Karakapakstan and a destabilized Uzbekistan. Scheiße, I had no idea. He has always been so nice to me. That is his way, but he is never afraid to sacrifice his night for a more prosperous future. Is there anything I can do to stop him? I'm glad you asked this. In fact, there is. Tell me. Can I make a deal with you, Mr. Bergman? Hans waited. I need you to place a listening device in Amir's office at his home outside Dushanbe. If you can do that, I can promise you a safe passage out of Tajikistan. Yeah, yeah, I have been to this house many times. This will not be a problem. Ivanov looked pleased. He handed Hans a small piece of paper. Call this number when you're finished. My men will need one hour to test the connection and collect you for your trip across the border into Uzbekistan. And then back to Stuttgart? We will see about that, Mr. Bergman. We will see. A note from Feruza was waiting on the floor for Hans when he opened the door to his apartment in Dushanbe. It was only a couple of hand-scribbled lines, but the meaning was clear. She had lost interest in the relationship. He also noticed that his apartment had been subject to a thorough search while he was away. They hadn't made a mess as such, but things were definitely out of place. He wondered if Amir was already aware of his return, or if someone had followed him from the airport. Time would tell, he figured. He showered ate some stale bread and cheese, and then found a taxi to take him to Amir's house. A familiar face opened the door for him. It was the same man who had delivered beer after beer to him the last time he was here. Hans asked for Amir and was met with a blank stare. Come on, yeah, I, I know he's here. Tell him it is very urgent that I speak with him. The man eventually relented and disappeared deep into the house. He returned a few minutes later and gestured to Hans to follow. Amir was waiting for him on the terrace, cigar in fingers. Hello, Hans. I admit that I am surprised to see you so soon. How was your trip to Kujand? Duplicitous bastard, Hans thought to himself. Yeah, yeah, fine. Were our Uzbek friends receptive to my gift? Colonel Ivanov sends his best regards. He regrets that you were unable to make the trip. Amir took a long puff on his cigar. I am sure he was. Amir barked out orders to one of the staff who returned promptly with a tumbler of whiskey. What can I do for you, Hans? It struck Hans that Amir had not offered him a drink nor a seat. Clearly, Amir had not expected him to return from Kujand. Feruza left me. Amir didn't look surprised. She was no good for you anyway, Hans. There will be others. It was a stupid game they were playing. Each knew the other was lying, but neither could admit to it without risking a great deal. 
Yeah, okay, well, I just wanted to let you know that I was back safely. Emir waved this away with his cigar. Can I use the toilet before I leave? Of course, Hans. You know where it is. Hans went inside and, instead of going to the toilet, tiptoed upstairs to where he assumed Emir would have his office. He found her through the second door on the left. Reaching for the listening device in his pocket, he placed it behind a painting depicting some hero or another pillaging a poor village. He tiptoed back down the stairs and into the toilet. He only realized how hard his heart was thumping when he stopped to take a breath. This will all be over soon. Yeah, it is done, he said into his phone once he was back in his apartment. A low voice told him they would call back soon with further instructions. Hans didn't know what else to do but pace back and forth. The passing of each second happened in slow motion, akin to watching wheat grow. When the phone finally rang, it scared the living shit out of him. He pressed the talk button without checking the display. You let me down, Hans. The recognition of Amir's voice froze the blood in his veins solid. You were not supposed to return from Kujand. You know that, right? Hans considered hanging up in case Ivanov's men were trying to call. Ivanov told me everything. You believe that snake? Hans ignored this. My men are coming to see you, Hans. I will see you soon. But this time, you won't be entering my house as a guest. Hans's reaction was to hang up. He mashed the number for Ivanov's men into his phone. This time he recognized Ivanov's voice. You've failed, Mr. Bergman. No, but I put the device in the office, I swear. He must have found it then. Scheiße, his men are coming for me now. You need to get me out. You didn't hold up your end of the bargain. Yeah, but I tried. If you don't come, he'll put me in prison or kill me. Ivanov weighed this, as if considering the future value of a man like Hans. Perhaps you can help me after all. Mr. Bergman. Yeah, please, I'll do whatever you want. Just get me out of this fucking country. Hans took Ivanov's instructions and ran out the door. He took the stairs carefully, hoping against hope that he wouldn't run into Emir's men. Just as he reached the bottom, his phone trilled again. He looked at the display and felt the rage boil up inside him. He pressed talk. Not now, mother! He ended the call and felt the weight lift from his shoulders. The painted iron door to his apartment building opened onto a quiet, tree-lined side street. Hans peeked his head out and saw nothing untoward. As he walked onto the sidewalk, he heard a commotion of honks to his right that sounded like trouble. He broke into a run and disappeared around the corner. He'd have to take the scenic route to the old Mayakovsky Theatre a few blocks away. Ivanov's men were waiting for him in a white van. They had the door open and ushered him inside. A compartment had been built under the floor. They motioned for him to lie down, handed him a bottle of water, and then covered him with the lid. He felt the van rumble to life, then cursed when a pothole caused his head to bang against the side of the compartment. Hans couldn't believe how quickly his great life had unraveled, and now he was on his way to Uzbekistan to do Ivanov's bidding in the colonel's attempt to prevent a coup in Tajikistan. Amir would have more to say, though. That much was obvious. What remained to be seen was whether those words would be exchanged over a glass of whiskey 
or hissed in some dark park with Lennon on hand to watch. You have been listening to Accidental Intrigue, Tales of Travel and Mystery, written by Kent Babin and narrated by Remington Cooney.